Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 6, A Happy Refrain, which is written and directed by Seth MacFarlane. Before we get into the episode, we have a new review. (gasps) Sorry, they get me really excited. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) I don't get the same expression because I've already looked at it, so... Well, I haven't heard anything, and so like it's like Christmas every time we start a podcast and there's a review. (laughs) (laughs) This one comes in from Baron Gear, who starts off by saying, Amazing show, and continues by saying, I love listening to this show on my way to work. They have a great balance between humor and serious, just like the show itself. I'm always excited to see a new episode show up when I check my podcasts. Look forward to following this show in the future. I can only (gasps) imagine the end is in the future yes oh my gosh that's such a nice review plus i don't know it makes me happy to know that our discussions are balanced and Mm. i like to think our discussions are fun but it's nice to hear that people actually enjoy you and i talking about the horrible (laughs) yeah if you would like to write a review and have us possibly read it on the show go to apple podcasts leave a five-star rating and you can write a review as well you can email us by sending an email to quantum drive at thegeekgeneration.com you can follow us on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod, and you can join the Discord at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord to talk about the show and the podcast and all things Orville related. Awesome. Now, Katie's got trivia. And boy, is there a lot of trivia today. So one of the things that is really neat is there's a symphony in this episode mm-hmm. in the shuttle bay, and the conductor of the symphony is played by Mark Graham who is the head of music preparation for the series. And he's been doing music for movies and television since 1980. And this is his first acting credit. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. I thought that was really cool. And my husband's a music teacher and musician, and he really appreciated the symphony scene. And I think it's cool that they let him represent and conduct for that. And he filled the role really well. Like he seemed like a very natural fit for it. But I mean, when you're playing something you probably have experience in, Mm -hmm. then it's going to come a little naturally, I would think. Yeah. A little second nature. But I thought that was a cool nod to Mark Graham. Totally. So we all know Bordis grows a mustache in this episode. He does. It parallels Data's beard in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called The Schizoid Man. True. Mm -hmm. I honestly did not make that connection. Yeah, I thought I just I love the little threads that kind of tie next gen and this show together. Even if they're accidental, I don't even care. I just love drawing those parallels. I just if I find one like that, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to share that as a fun. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a point in this episode where Isaac is studying an item and Dr. Finn approaches him and he's holding a device and it's the device from the first episode, the quantum accelerator that Dr. Aronov has. Oh, yeah. The one that they use on the banana. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that I thought was it's not really mentioned or anything, but if you pay close attention, that's what he's holding. Mm, That makes sense. And it would also make sense that this is something that they're still studying because that was a pretty advanced piece of tech. Mm hmm. There's a music recital for Ty. And this was really interesting to me. He's playing a piece by Chopin, but the actor Kai Wenner, I think that's how you say his name. He is actually a talented child pianist and performed the song himself on camera. That's amazing. I know. And there's a lot of people in that room. Mm -hmm. So kudos. I mean, I'll never be as talented of a pianist as he is. So kudos. Yeah, that's that's really, really impressive. This was an interesting parallel with real life and show Dr. Finn, the actress who plays Dr. Finn, Penny Johnston Gerald is from Baltimore, and Dr. Finn is also from Baltimore. Oh, I bet that is on purpose as well. I know, yeah. but I like, I don't know. I and Even though they're characters, I think they're real people. <laughs> so I'm like, they're both from Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> it's just coincidence. <laughs> it's just a coincidence, but I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> There's a moment in the show where Dr. Finn has some flowers, and the bouquet features prominently stargazer lilies. And this flower appears repeatedly in The Next Generation as a reference to Captain Picard's first command, the USS Stargazer. That's a piece of trivia from TNG that I was completely unaware of. The things people on the internet find and tie together is honestly incredible. And one of my favorite things to do is 
look up all the fun facts. Mm-hmm. And then as I watch the episode, I granted, if you haven't seen the episode, no spoilers, but if you've seen it once before, it's kind of neat to look for those things. Mm. And I didn't, I had no idea that that was a thing through next gen either. Yeah. I would have assumed like I recognize them as stargazer lilies just because, mm-hmm. but I would have assumed it was just based on the fact that they're in space. So mm-hmm. stargazer for space show makes total sense. But then the additional TNG connection is really cool. Mm-hmm. This was neat because it's kind of a throwback fun fact within this. It's an Easter egg in this episode. Okay. When Dr. Finn talks to Commander Grayson in Grayson's office and she goes over to get the Chardonnay from the synthesizer, mm. there's a framed thing on the wall, a framed piece of art, and it's Journey's Escape album. Is it really? Yeah. I did not notice that either. And so just because I had looked these up before watching, I was like, oh, my God, it's totally a Journey album. That's and I just great. you have to really pay attention to that stuff. But I love the details in this show. Mm. Another tie to Next Generation. There are several episodes from star trek Mm -hmm. that have human robot relationships Mm -hmm. (laughs) um there is an episode from the next generation called the naked now from 1987 where data engages in a a casually sexual activity with tasha yar yes that is true and it comes up several times throughout the series Mm -hmm. and then in the episode in theory from 91 data enters into a full romantic relationship with a human woman Then there's another show that this kind of also ties into, which I thought would be fun to mention, is Futurama. Mm -hmm. There's an episode called Proposition Infinity from 2010, where Bender has sex with and then enters a relationship with a human named Amy Wong, spurring a debate about robot slash human marriage rights. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, no, that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So it's just interesting because no matter how many times I've seen this kind of relationship dynamic discussed, Mm -hmm. I never tire of it because I think it's so interesting to watch and talk about. It is very fascinating. I don't know if that says something about me, but <laughs> I'm 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 just excited to talk about this episode today. Well, I think part of it's interesting, too, because we're theorizing that this is a thing that could possibly happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And then what does that mean? And I know we're going to have lots to dive into. Absolutely. So there's a point where Isaac comes to visit Dr. Finn and she's like, can you help look over this paper that I'm writing? Mm-hmm. And it's her paper entitled Zelayan. It's about Zelayan tissue regeneration. And if you look on the screen and you pause it, it does in fact say tissue engineering and regenerative medicine posted by the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering's website. So it's like an actual science article. Oh, wow. That you can, I believe, look up. And uh, read if you ever wanted to. Just in case you ever, I, I'm sure it's missing some of the details about Zelayans, but aside yeah, from that. It might, it might not talk about Zelayans, but she's just looking some things over and they added some minor spelling errors so that Isaac could quote unquote correct them. That's awesome. We all know Bordis has a beautiful mustache and that Dr. Finn uses a medical scanning device to help stimulate the follicles. We don't know what that device she's using is called and in the final script. It's just described as a quote unquote small device. I would assume unless the beam she's creating is a follicle stimulator Mm -hmm. in my brain, I always said that that's a follicle stimulator because she says she'll run a follicle stimulator over the area. Yeah, I guess it could just be a regular. I mean, not that it really matters. It doesn't need like a full name like this is for facial hair growth. Right. And if you want hair. But I just think it's interesting because in the script, they're like, just make. I mean, I'm sure set design or props was like, I guess we just got to throw something together. And then she had to use it as a follicle stimulator. Yeah. Who knows how many weird random medical devices they have kicking around in there. There is a moment in the show where Claire oversees a vaccine shipment to Alamac 3. And this was interesting to me because Alamac is an actual star about 350 light years from Earth. And it's better known as Gamma Andromedae. Hmm. So I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but I think it's interesting that it's an actual star that is in our solar system or our universe. Cool. So there is a sexy scene between Isaac and Dr. Finn. Mm -hmm. And this was interesting because both actors thought that they would be naked during their sex scene because the production crew told them that they would be filming on a closed set, which is usually the case when there's nudity involved. Mm -hmm. But... They both worked out in preparation for this scene, and they were disappointed to discover that when they were filming, it was only from the neck up. (laughs) And so Mark Jackson, who plays 
Isaac said, I worked out for nothing. And it, it's it's rumored that they won out for donuts after filming concluded that day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's really ever a reason not to work out and be happy about it, but I, I can understand the mm-hmm. frustration. Yeah. Be like, I plan for this. I don't know. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse <laughs> for them, but this is kind of tying into guest stars as well as trivia. Mm-hmm. So there's two actors that appear in this episode that we mostly only hear their voices. And that is first Mark Jackson, who plays Isaac. So we get to see the actor who plays Isaac mm-hmm. in the flesh in this episode. And then the little green blob we know as Yafet is played by Norm MacDonald. And we get to see Norm MacDonald. If you don't know who Norm MacDonald is, now you know what he looks like yeah. when he's hitting on Dr. Finn in the bar. Yeah, Norm MacDonald from, I don't even know where to start, uh, stand-up I comedy, know. Saturday Night Live. Uh, he had the Norm show at one point. Mm-hmm. He's done so many things over the course of his career. But yeah, it was funny. It was very funny to see mm-hmm. him actually appear in the episode. And I, I really liked seeing Mark Jackson because I always like to see underneath the costumes, mm-hmm. but just the mannerisms as him as an actual person was really cool to see. It was really cool to see him as a human still behaving like Isaac and how that mm-hmm. would look. It was very, very fascinating. The way his mouth moved and stuff, it mm-hmm. was just it was surreal. So those are all my fun facts for this episode. All right. So for the episode itself, we begin with Claire in her office looking over a paper she's writing. She makes a call to Isaac for assistance, who says he'll be there right away. Moments later, Bordis enters and tells the doctor he would like a mustache because Lieutenant Malloy told him it would look good. She runs a follicle stimulator over the area and he departs. I I mean, Bordis is so easily influenced (laughs) just to be like, yeah, I want a mustache. And so I kind of was more fascinated by the future tech that she could just run a device over your upper lip and be like, bam, you got a full blown mustache in an hour. Does that also mean we probably won't see many bald people on the Orville if they have that kind of technology? I'm going to watch for that. Maybe it's a fashion choice if someone's like, I'm bald. Like, maybe it's it's because they want to be. But I also thought about the opposite of, like, hair removal. Like, in our society mm. today, smooth and silky is is in. And I feel like in the future, it's just, like, unwanted body hair, not a thing. <laughs> also... I don't know how much a follicle stimulator would actually do to a Mocklin because do they have body hair of any kind at all? I was wondering that as well. Apparently they must because he was able to grow a mustache. I guess. I've never seen a Mocklin with any form of hair at all. So like even if you stimulate Mm -hmm. follicles, like what follicles? They don't have hair. But it's funny, so I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was the thing too where maybe because headcanon, it's the future that it like since it's future tech it does something it implants little follicles into his skin maybe and then he can just grow a mustache works for me (laughs) yep isaac enters sick bay as requested with a banana in hand when asked about it he says that it's for claire as he's noticed her mood changes after a certain time without food he goes on to look over her paper and fixes several errors fairly quickly before leaving he points out that she's changed her hair I thought it was interesting that he brought a banana and it is thoughtful, even though it's a logical process to be like, she gets cantankerous mm-hmm. when she doesn't eat, but it does come across as kind of endearing and like, oh, he thought about me. It comes across as such. Yes. But as humans, I, okay. I name my cars. I take care of my inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. Cause even as a kid, I was like, if my stuffed animals come to life, I want them to know that I'm their friend and I'm a good person. And so I can understand associating feelings towards totally. yeah. Isaac, especially because he walks and he talks and he interacts, Absolutely, which I think yeah. would up the ante. Like my car drives. I know when I talk to it. Oh, God, <laughs> I don't talk to my car. But what I mean, like if I did talk to my car. Exposed. <laughs> Okay, occasionally I'll say thanks for taking me safely everywhere. Fine, I'll admit that. But I will say, like, it would be different if the car talked back to me, like Kit from is it Knight Rider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it was like that, I I would definitely be like, I have more emotions tied to this than just say something that doesn't speak back to me. When I use my Echo, I could just say, like if it asks me something, mm-hmm. I could just say yes or no. I still say like no, thank you. Hmm. Why am I being polite? It doesn't care. But I think it shows a lot about the person. Yeah, it does. Like if someone treats things like crap, 
you kind of know other things about them. True. (laughs) (laughs) Bordas arrives on the bridge with his new mustache, which the crew notices right away and comments on. Dr. Finn then hand delivers a report to Commander Grayson and reminds everyone that Ty's piano recital is that evening. All right. Opinions on the mustache. I think he pulls it off. He looks like a cop, like from a cop show. Oh, the Urkel show. The dad from the Urkel show. It it gives me vibes and I'm okay with this. I freaking loved that show. Oh, it's a great show. Yeah. Oh, was it called Family Matters? Yeah. Sorry. This is nostalgia day apparently for me. <laughs> I thought he looked very, very good with the mustache. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it worked well. I don't know if I don't know if the show was trying to make us think that it looked ridiculous, but I thought it worked oddly well. (laughs) It didn't look bad. Like it was a very manicured mustache and it looked like a dude rocking a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. Good choice, Bordas. Mm hmm. Later at the recital, Ty gives a fantastic performance for those in attendance. Yaffa even comments on how impressed he is. At the reception that follows, Claire chats with Isaac and thanks him for being a great piano teacher. I was annoyed that Yaffa leaned over to talk to Claire during his son, her son's performance. Mm. And I was like, yes, he's saying nice things, but save it for after. Also, well, he wasn't saying super nice things. He said he thought it was going to suck. So it just, I know. There wasn't tact there, I guess. Yeah, we know Yafit doesn't have a whole lot of social decorum. Mm-mm. Plus, just for pacing of the episode, I understand why they put it in there. Yeah, it's it makes sense. And I felt like Dr. Finn handled it well, because mm-hmm. if it was like, I'd be like, shut up. I'm trying to watch my son right. perform right now. And it was an interesting thing to see how much of the crew was there. Like, that was a large recital. That was very supportive. Yeah. And kudos i mean i would have been so nervous as a kid but just like that the actor actually played that song mm-hmm. in front of all those people on a set i'm just i don't think i'll ever not be impressed by that yeah no, it was great the doctor enters kelly's office and asks her for some advice as she's developed feelings for isaac she admits that it sounds crazy and she's fully aware that isaac has no feelings but she feels warmth from him kelly informs her that she's the most responsible person she knows so if she feels it why not go for it thing was interesting about this is they had like the reception after the recital Mm -hmm. and Isaac was just kind of standing there like a creep in the middle of the room. Yeah. Not even like totally against the wall, just like a few feet away from it, just standing, staring. Yeah. But that's that. I think he probably does that a lot. Yeah. And it was just interesting because she was very much like, I'm going to go talk to him. And I'm like, he's just standing there. Yeah. And I mean, he was essentially doing what a robot would do saying it's ample data for me to analyze for what humans do and i thought it was interesting that she has developed feelings for isaac but because of the traumatic experience with the shuttle crash mm-hmm. how he's taken care of the kids because he has altered his routines to like accommodate human emotion and i could see how she would fall in love or start to have feelings for isaac He acts like somebody that would care about them. Yes. Yeah. They spend a lot of time together, too. They do. I mean, what do you think about her going and like seeking counsel from someone? I think it makes sense. I think. Yeah. I think she's being very aware of the whole process Mm -hmm. and being like, I know this sounds crazy. I might be projecting. She says all these conscious things like I'm fully aware that what I'm doing might be totally nuts. Yeah. So I need to check with somebody else and just see if this is something that is rational or not. But they mm-hmm. have they have the conversation here and Kelly asks Claire if she's just projecting her feelings onto Isaac. And Claire is like, well, doesn't everybody do that? And to me, that doesn't seem like a great justification for doing it because no. people do do that for sure. Is it a healthy thing to do, though? I don't think so there are a lot of times where like you don't know a lot about a person they even say that like this is something you do with people who are mysterious you kind of project Mm -hmm. things on them but that doesn't mean you're actually seeing that person you're just seeing that person in the way you want to see that person and that is not a healthy way to start a relationship she seems very aware of what the situation is Mm -hmm. like this is a machine but i think it's up to loneliness I think a lot of it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
and just being like i'm spending a lot of time with this being there this being is good with my kids in a way Mm -hmm. and just kind of going yeah i could make it work but i i almost wonder if it's out of desperation in a way a little bit for sure i mean there's even the part during the episode where she says oh i was just lonely and reaching out yeah it just is interesting that she's very aware of the fact like i'm going to tell somebody this that i trust and i do feel like dr finn is one of the smartest people aboard the orville yeah she's pretty put together yeah level-headed and so it's interesting because it does seem like such a like whoa what is she what's she doing here but i i'm i don't know I have lots of thoughts about it. We'll get to all of them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With Kelly's blessing, Dr. Finn meets Isaac in a science lab and asks him out on a date. He says that such an experiment would yield substantial data regarding human behavioral patterns, so he agrees. In a way, though, it seemed like he agreed to it without... I mean, yes, he's looking for data, but there was almost like a hint of him agreeing to it, not because it was good for data. Really? I don't know if I, maybe I'm projecting. That's what I'm wondering right now. (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I guess, yeah, now that I'm like thinking about the episode and how he handled the whole situation, like, yeah, I guess maybe he wasn't. But in my head, there there does seem to be a warmth there. There could be. Confirmed I would fall in love with the robot at this point. We also have to remember, too, that as good as an actor Mark Jackson is, He's still a human playing a robot. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get some human stuff from him. Yeah. But you have to realize, I believe these are all real people. And (laughs) I'm just kidding. But in a way, it is a character that I do love, Isaac. And it's so different than the Data robot. Because Data had facial features and skin almost. many thoughts about this, yes. And so it's like, before he got his emotion chip and all those, like, it's just... There's a lot to it. And Data was constantly just trying to become more human. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I think Data looks so humanoid on the outside makes the stark contrast between that and Isaac, because Isaac looks like a machine. And that's interesting to me is that with Data, I can, it's much more like, yeah, I can, I totally understand why somebody would do that. Yeah. Like he looks like a person. It's interesting that Dr. Finn is going all in with something that looks and acts like an actual robot Mm -hmm. yeah so i i thought it was very interesting in that she seemed very excited he agreed to the date but it's because he wants data he wanted more he wants data yeah i also i watch isaac's hand gestures a lot because i find them interesting same and the choices he makes here in particular i noticed that when isaac says he'll go on the date he gestures toward her with both of his hands almost symmetrically Mm mm-hmm People don't do this. (laughs) And I think it's a very interesting way that shows how different he actually is from all the people around him. Yeah. But you have like in my head, if someone does like motions towards me or like, I mean, I've looked up a lot about body language Mm -hmm. and I went to college for psychology and stuff. So we learned about things like that. And it's just interesting how much body language can affect how you feel about someone. Oh, absolutely. And in my head, like even subconsciously if somebody's like motioning towards you and things i would assume it would make you feel like he still does things that are very much human-esque he does and the kalon race did a very good job at creating an android that is very human in its mannerisms Mm -hmm. i guess yeah i don't know if you you agree with that or not but i do for the most part yeah i do the the biggest thing and i'll definitely talk about it more later is the face yeah and he is he's a shiny robot mm-hmm. man it's not that's you can't confuse that with anything Hi, i'm isaac the shiny robot man <laughs> this new tagline we then join gordon and john mid-conversation in engineering when isaac interrupts them to ask john for some dating advice yafa is noticeably upset when he hears that the date is with dr finn john says that he should look snazzy pick her up at her place and arrive with flowers I can see why Yafet would be jealous, but Yafet seems like obsessed with Dr. Finn. And also they've already had kind of a fling when stuff happened. I think his response is justified because it's Isaac. Yeah, I would be pretty put off if I was like, I'm an actual thinking independent being (laughs) and you're just you're going to go with a robot. Like, yeah, I could see that's a slight. And Yafet, Yafet's kind of gotten the crap end of the stick a lot. He has. 
I mean, he got passed over for the new position or the chief engineer because Lamar did well on some exams and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so and then Dr. Finn, not on purpose, toyed with his emotions during the episode. Yeah. But yeah, not really her fault. I know. So just there, there's things where I could. Yafit's just kind of been through the been through the mill. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that he's going to John for dating advice. John is known on the ship to be the ladies man. But wouldn't wouldn't he be able to access records of like what going on a date is? He probably could. But I would imagine going to an expert would be even more beneficial. That's true. And I guess, yeah, it's another way to get data. But it is interesting to me because he could just I think about the fifth element when she just looks up everything on war. Mm. And that's what I picture happens in Isaac's brain when he <laughs> looks things up. So it's like, why didn't he just do that about dating? Mm. But I guess John is a ladies man. Go to the experts. I do like in the scene too how Isaac just cuts off Gordon just with a hand. Yeah. Boom, right up. I was speaking to Lieutenant Lamar like, whoa, <laughs> Which is, see, that's human-esque to me. I don't know. It is, I don't know. This episode... It was also incredibly rude. It, yes. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's very human. <laughs> but it's also very mechanic. So I don't know. This I'm going to have an existential crisis by the end of this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> The scene cuts to Gordon and John sprinting through the corridors to the bridge. They excitedly announce to everyone that Claire and Isaac are going on a date. The crew discuss it, but are cut off when Isaac walks in. Between the uh, the brief conversation that they had in engineering and the sprinting through the ship bit, I realize how much I miss seeing Gordon and John together on the bridge all the time. Yeah. Because they're just so good together. John was on the bridge a lot this episode, though. He was. And I think they they bounce off of each other really well. Mm-hmm. I really like Gordon. He, he's a really great character. And I think him and John together is like a perfect symbiotic relationship. And yeah, it's... Sad that John's now in engineering. Just give it. They should have given it to Yafet and then John could just remain on the bridge forever. Right. (laughs) That evening, Isaac arrives at Claire's quarters to pick her up and she's impressed with his effort. The two join the crew in the shuttle bay to listen to the performance of the Planetary Union Symphony. Do you think they put the clothing over the costume? I do. My husband and I had a conversation about this and he's like, do you think they actually put it over? And I was like, I think they did. Because he was like, maybe they just put like the gloves and stuff on and had, and I was like, no. I think it would have looked weird as far as how much space his body took up if they hadn't done that. Yeah. And he did seem to still have the same basic shape that Isaac does. It made me feel weird that he was dressed as a human. Same. <laughs> it was kind of like a, uh, like it was cognitive dissonance, I think, a little bit. <laughs> just like, oh, okay. Well, he's he's dressed as a person now and he's carrying flowers and I think he had like leather shoes on, too. Oh, I didn't even notice the shoes. But yeah, I now I don't know if I'm making that up. But just the <laughs> fact that he was dressed as someone who was going on their first date with flowers. It was my brain did some loops to kind of like process that. Yeah. <laughs> Following the performance, Claire and Isaac have taken their date to the simulator for dinner in a restaurant. The two discuss some of Claire's interests, and Isaac reveals that he's downloaded all the data on her that's available. She's annoyed that it's removed the fun from getting to know one another. I have so many thoughts on this scene. This is this is the thing where I would be upset if someone accessed my personnel records. I mean, I mean, obviously, if it was a person or a robot or anybody, mm-hmm. but it does take away the fun of a date but he did from that find her favorite restaurant mm-hmm. and take her to that in the simulation got her potato cakes which sound amazing at this moment but it is interesting to i don't know if it's more of an invasion of privacy versus taking the spontaneity out of something i don't think it's an invasion i think they're public records are they are personal records public he wasn't hacking into anything he couldn't have been he wouldn't have the kind of, I, I mean he could have but she wasn't yeah. like, oh, you're violating ship protocol or anything like that. Information must have been readily available. Yeah, I guess it was just interesting because I agree. Part of the dating experience is you're getting to know another person. Mm-hmm. Keyword there I just said is person. Um, but I'm conflicted on it. But I agree that it takes away the intimacy from experiencing things with another person for the first time. It does. But it's also kind of relevant to where we are these days where like you can look up so much data about somebody online on their social media on all that stuff so 
Yeah. Even like modern dating, you lose some of that. I didn't even think about that, how it could correlate to Google stalking Mm -hmm. your date. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. I didn't even make that parallel. And that's actually really interesting just because I feel like, oh, my God, that's like an actual like discussion point where it's almost like you you know, swipe right or whatever. I never have never used Tinder. I don't know. If I think I'm assuming that's correct. But you you met, match with somebody or you meet someone from work, whatever. You go online, you Google them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're learning about their mom and their dog from sixth grade. Yeah. And like and like that's kind of what Isaac did. You have access to all this data, whether you like it or not. Oh. It's just kind of in your face. So it is. It's interesting. It's something I didn't even think about, but that is something where I feel he shouldn't have done that, but he didn't know any better. He didn't. No. Why would he? I liked when he flipped the table. Yeah, I was going to say, table flipping (laughs) bit is great. So good. Yeah. Uh, I did at first wonder why they wouldn't go to Muska's and then kind of headcanon that as, oh, they just want to stay away from prying eyes. So I guess that makes sense because they were kind of the talk of the ship at that moment. Can you imagine if they wanted a date to Muska's? Like, they wouldn't have any privacy. No, none whatsoever. And then all these weird things, like Isaac would have flipped an actual table and not mm-hmm. have been able to just call one back up. That's the thing, though, too. Did Isaac come up with the idea to go to the simulator or did Dr. Finn? Because it was Isaac who picked the restaurant. Yes, I bet it was Isaac based on the fact that he created that specific restaurant for her because that was her favorite restaurant in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Which is thoughtful. Yeah. It's thoughtful. It is. It is. <laughs> Imagine, though, in real life, how nice it would be to have the convenience of dating with a simulator available. Like when you can yes. control the volume of the music, the quality of the food, the lighting, like all those mm-hmm. variables. So there's a good and a bad to it. So like all those variables that you would think going into a date would be annoying, like not being able to hear each other and all this stuff mm-hmm. you could eliminate. But then at the same time. The things that are negative are often the things that you remember. Yeah. So the things that you think are not the good things about the day end up being the things that are the good thing about the day. So it's it's a weird thing to consider. I think as somebody who likes to travel but hates the process of traveling, having a simulator would be fantastic, oh, yeah. though it would be like it's not quite like the real thing. Mm hmm. So kind of like when you watch a documentary on a, it might be like being in a documentary versus like being there. I I do think that by first date standards, it seems very vanilla. Mm. But again, he wouldn't know. Yeah. Or would he? (laughs) During their conversation, there's also uh, something she brushes right past and doesn't acknowledge. There's a part where he says he was trying to maximize the efficiency of the date. So that it would conclude more promptly. Yes. Major red flag that she does not acknowledge in any way whatsoever. I remember when we were watching it, I was like, huh, because she didn't acknowledge it even really. Huge insult. Yeah. And just kind of maybe she explained it away because she knows that he's a robot and knows that. But for me. Like, if I'm, like, I'm dating a robot, the last thing I would want to hear is that the robot wanted it to end as soon as possible. Yeah, it's like dating someone who's like, I just want to get in and out here. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially what he's doing. He he's, like, hitting it and quitting it. He wants, he wants the data <laughs> as fast as possible, and he wants to get out of there. That's what he does. Yeah, that is interesting that it was never, like, a... Whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes. You want to you what now? I think it very much explains Claire's mindset, though. Mm-hmm. She's lonely. Yeah, she's ignoring anything that could be seen as Isaac behaving as Isaac should. Mm-hmm. And she's only seeing the things she wants to from him. Yeah, which is true because it is that's toxic behavior if you're human or not. Mm-hmm. Like, I think as humans, we look past a lot of red flags because we try to make things work. And if anything, this is a reminder just to if you have any red flags in your life, pay attention to them. <laughs> And do what's best for you. (laughs) They walk back to Claire's quarters and she's unsure about having another date. She does, however, leave him with a kiss before saying goodnight. This is a little picky thing. It bothered me that the smooch wasn't symmetrical on it. Like it it was just kind of like there's some makeup on his face. Like I wanted it to be a full on smooch mark. 
Yeah, although I think <laughs> are you, are you saying the fact that it wasn't like where his mouth would be, or the fact that it's no, the lipstick was just kind of like residue. It wasn't well, like yeah, but I think that's more natural. <sighs> I know, but I I told you it was a little picky thing. You wanted it to look more cartoony. <laughs> I wanted to be a cartoon smooch, yeah. but she said, "I don't know if I want to have another date, or we'll see." And then she still gave him a kiss. Yeah, so. The next day, Isaac enters the bridge and Gordon immediately starts pressing him for details. Isaac doesn't have much to share other than admitting that Dr. Finn said he wasn't spontaneous enough. Ed and Kelly try to explain with an anecdote from their relationship. It was interesting when Isaac comes back on the bridge because there's kind of that tension building. Like, did he take the lipstick off? And I thought that was a very clever cut when he turns around and it's gone. Mm. And the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, but I was like, he would know to wipe it off, probably. I feel bad for Ed because I don't know why she needed to put down the cake that he made her. Because, you know what? If, if a dude's going to make you a cake, even if it looks like a pupa, you you enjoy that cake. I bet you it's something she busted his balls for for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's why. I think it's just a recurring joke between them. But the way they bounced off of each other was very entertaining and very well done. Yeah, I do love seeing them together as much as like yeah. some people don't want that. Will they won't they to happen? But I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I pff, man, I have so many things that I just want to happen and <laughs> just got to wait and see what happens. <laughs> because Isaac gave them so few details. Kelly goes to sick bay where she and Tala ask Dr. Finn about it. Claire tells them that it was all too rigid and that perhaps she is just projecting on him. Well, like you just said, that big red flag may have been an indication that, hey, you know, you're probably projecting a little bit. <laughs> probably. But it is uh, very, I don't know. It seems like she's still like on the fence mm-hmm. about what she wants to do. Yeah. She's gotten a little taste of what that might feel like. And she's not sure she really wants that. Yeah. It, it probably does feel very sterile in a way. Yeah. And it, you don't, because I've always heard like human connection, human touch is very important. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, she might get that from like hugging her kids or whatever. But it, it I feel like dating a robot might get kind of lonely. One would think. Mm-hmm. During the evening, Claire awakens in her quarters to see Isaac standing over her bed with a cake. And he tells her that he's being spontaneous. She's clearly annoyed. And before sending him away. Tells him that they should just go back to the way things were. I get, I mean, he was being spontaneous. He's like, I made you a cake and we're going on a date at three in the morning. But you would think he would know like that human sleep for eight hours. And well, yeah, but he did exactly what Ed and Kelly told him to do. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't even just being spontaneous. He was being spontaneous in the same way that Ed and Kelly told him that they were being spontaneous. It is interesting that he did do something. I mean, I wouldn't want that. No, who would? I wouldn't want Mark to show up with a cake at 3 and be like, we're going on a date. I'd be like, can we just talk about this (laughs) tomorrow? I might eat a piece of cake, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think she was of sound mind to be like, yeah, let's just not. This is, there's something, it's not working. It doesn't feel right. And maybe. And this just. Maybe it should have stayed that way. (laughs) This shows that he's, he doesn't really get it. No. In the simulator, Gordon, John, and Ensign Turco are having some fun bowling when Isaac appears to observe. He informs them that Claire broke up with him, so John asks what happened. Isaac plays a clip of Claire from her quarters, and John says that he has an idea. That's the other thing about this, is that it's not Isaac's idea to do this. None of it is. But Claire seems to think that, and that has always been in the back of my mind, like later on after this, like, he figured out a way. And it's like, no, he figures out nothing in this entire episode. And but the thing is, Claire doesn't see that. No, she always just sees what Isaac's doing. The other thing, too, is what did you think of him playing back what she said to them? I thought it was kind of creepy, but also he does have the ability to mimic voices like we saw before. I just feel like there should be a privacy Like, that's something very intimate. Like, I mean, Gordon makes a joke. Remind me to never tell you anything intimate. Yeah. And it is something, though, where I feel like Gordon and John would never do anything to hurt Dr. Finn or Isaac. And so I didn't feel like, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have shared that. But it was just interesting because I was like, that's such an invasion of privacy in a lot of ways. I agree. I also, uh, unrelated to that, (laughs) 
I love that they're all wearing bowling shirts, that they're just like in it. <laughs> Did you notice this? This was a fun fact, and I didn't mention it. On John's shirt, it says Lamar, mm-hmm. but the M is lowercase. Oh, I did not. Yeah, so if you're watching it again, it's Lamar, but the M is lowercase. So it's that's just kind of, that was considered an oopsie yeah. on the internet. <laughs> While working at her desk, Claire gets a message on her console to meet someone in the simulator that evening. When she arrives, she finds Isaac standing in the same restaurant where they had their first date. He then activates another simulation program, which projects a human form over his robot body. He's also deleted all the previous data on her that he downloaded to allow them to learn about one another in a more normal fashion. During the date, Claire gives Isaac a kiss before changing the simulation to her quarters, where the two take things even further. First, what did you think of future fashion? I didn't notice it as much here, but it's okay. I don't think Claire's dresses are the best in this episode. I really liked Claire's outfit for this dinner specifically. Ladies' future fashion is at this point confirmed better than men's future fashion. That is true. Uh, I also just want to just shout out her hair just always looks great. It does. And yeah. I just, yeah, I her hair is always fantastic. But one of the things about this whole, the whole thing is interesting is because Isaac is still very robotic, but it adds that element of what Data had. Mm-hmm. And his mouth movements were so interesting to me. And part of me is like, I don't know if that's just how the actor has to talk in order to make Isaac sound the way he... He was behaving robotic. Mm-hmm. But it was just such a crazy... I thought it was really cool to see the actor who plays Isaac. It was. From a viewer perspective, like totally outside the episode, it was really fun to see him actually get to play Isaac without having to wear the suit. It's like a pulling back of the curtain a little bit. Yeah. And... I could see how Claire would just be like enamored by like, look at what he did for me, but it wasn't him doing it. Mm -hmm. And then the bedroom thing seemed a little fast to me. (laughs) Hey, she was ready from the get go. So, (laughs) yeah, I know. And I guess at that point, you're just like, damn. I mean, but it also to me shows that maybe she she's lonely and she wants that. I wonder if the simulation can simulate like if it's a robot, but you have like the simulation of a human body over it. If it feels like human touch or if it feels synthetic. I bet it feels like skin, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how deep that goes as far as like warmth. And I I mean, I guess it can simulate all those other things for their environment. Yeah. But I still feel like it would be sterile. Yeah. Well, he's a robot. Yeah. I feel like it still would be sterile. Yeah. Man, just a lot to unpack (laughs) from this scene alone. And... Yeah, I I mean, the thing that sucks about it is that they can only be like that inside a a simulation, too. Mm -hmm. During the uh, part where Isaac repeats the line about the rain, about the precipitation, he says like the same exact line. I had a thought that when so I've done a lot of podcasting over the years and I've gone back to older episodes every now and then and listened to something Mm -hmm. from years ago that I hadn't heard. So I've forgotten everything I've said at this point. And sometimes I'll think of a response in my head to something that's being said on the show. And then I'll hear myself say, I'll say, I'll hear past me say like almost the exact same thing. I'm like, yep, that's me. (laughs) Still the same. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's something too, where he did make the effort to delete, but he's pretty much just following things that people have told him to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know (laughs) if he had come up with that on his own, though, confirmed he has emotions. Perhaps. Rob's a tough sell. (laughs) The next day, Claire is raving to Kelly and Tala about her most recent date with Isaac. Meanwhile, in engineering, Isaac is asking John what the best way to end the relationship is. Following the coital pairing, he's decided that he's gathered enough data and wishes to end the experiment. John suggests that he make himself unappealing so that she'll break up with him. Tala's just like one of the girls now. She is. It didn't take long for her to just get along with everybody. Did you feel that way about Alara, though? Did it? I don't feel like she's ever like one of the girls. I didn't really feel like Alara was that close with the crew in general. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that dynamic kind of shift with Tala because she's very much just like she says what she wants to say. She's confident and she's just like, my opinions matter, which is honestly kind of refreshing. <laughs> Some of it is probably an experience and age thing, too. Mm-hmm. Just meaning like what I mean by like. This is my opinion, accept it kind of thing, or I'm saying it just like 
in real life that's also really refreshing to it's see because it's it just feel like a lot of people are so unsure of themselves including myself that it's like nice to have a strong woman on the show who's just like this is what you get yep and she's got opinions and she's fine sharing them because i mean i'm assuming they don't know each other that well for her to share in romantic relationship kind of you know like that takes time to get to that point yeah she's already getting the big gossip yeah i was so disappointed in isaac when he went to go talk to john oh and then john just god john (laughs) well that's 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 john too so even though he's like the ladies man he's the stereotypical like ladies man player type Mm -hmm. that was just kind of a bummer scene just because i'm like so Claire, when she's talking to Kelly and Tala, has that line where she's like, does it matter why people do what they do for us? Mm-hmm. In the back of my brain, I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. It absolutely matters, especially if you're in a relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. This whole relationship that they have feels incredibly one-sided. Everything that Claire has talked about so far is what she is getting out of it. Nothing in regard to Isaac. Yeah, but that I think ties in one thing for the listeners. (laughs) Rob did air quotes for relationship. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, I think it shows that I think it's desperation on Dr. Finn's part. Like, I think she's probably, I mean, she obviously with the kids, Mm -hmm. they were a choice that she wanted to have the kids. It wasn't with another, with a partner. Right. So I think she's just, I feel like being in space by yourself, I think everybody wants companionship and Isaac has shown the most interest in her. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that. Like if you are at a point where you're like, I need, I need something more than just friendship intimacy. Yeah. I don't, I don't fault Claire for mm-hmm. wanting to explore this and for feeling the way that she does. I just don't think she should be surprised. Yeah. I don't think she should be either. and. The other thing is, what was the line that you just said? The Does it matter why people do what they do for us? And it does. It 100% does because people have ulterior motives. And while we like to think that people and machines are inherently good, it's always good to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And like the stuff that Isaac does, the next scene is just awful. <laughs> God. Claire returns to her quarters to find Isaac on the couch wearing underwear and holding a beer. He repeatedly insults her until she demands an explanation. Isaac explains that he's collected enough data and would like to conclude the relationship. With her feelings now quite hurt, she agrees. All of this was so awful. Mm -hmm. It's the stereotypical wife-beater jerk person. Mm -hmm. The line about... You must be on your period, like all of those things. Even after she was already mad, yeah. Oh, and the fact that he's been waiting for dinner and like just (laughs) the fact that he put underwear on. (laughs) That was like slightly stained around the edges. (laughs) Yeah, it was like dirty and it just, it. from my perspective, if anybody talked to me that way, I would be upset. Mm -hmm. So I think, oh God, I think she was confused because she's like, why is he doing this? There's no reason for him to do this. And then at the end, right before he leaves, he says, does this mean our relationship is concluded? And she figures it out. That is so awful. So even if you prepare for the worst and you're, yeah, I'm dating a robot, that's still going to sting. And he, they just slept together. Well, this is where her not seeing where Isaac's getting his information is Mm -hmm. like detrimental to him now. Because she thinks this is coming from Isaac, too, even though this is also coming from John. Yeah. She's essentially dating John. Basically. She's she's oh. dating all the people that are giving advice to Isaac. Yeah. I think Claire's justified in feeling like crap. I agree. But it's because Isaac was misguided with his advice. But he's also a robot. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll save my major points about their relationship for the takeaways. But the thing I want to point out in this scene is just how unaffected by any of it Isaac is. He's unemotional. Even seeing how upset she is, he's just like, okay, good. I'm out. Later. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. I feel like there's a sliver of him feeling bad. If there is, I I don't think it's in this scene. (laughs) If there is, I don't think it's here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but to me, I I felt, I guess it's more of a vibe versus a, obviously he has no facial expressions. 
But he he still just leaves. He doesn't even try to comfort her. No, he just goes, okay. Or says sorry. Oh, he doesn't even apologize. Nope. As Isaac reports to duty the next day, the crew makes several passive comments to let Isaac know how upset they are with him for hurting Claire. I do not like this scene. It seemed misplaced because John also gave the advice, but also being passive aggressive with a robot doesn't seem to... Because it kind of looked like it was going over his head. Yeah. Obviously. But I think it got it. Quote unquote, him thinking. Yes. But I agree with you that being passive aggressive with a robot is a completely futile effort. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for them to do that. Like, okay, so I can get Gordon acting this way and throwing out a comment because that's what Gordon does. Yeah. But it's not even a good look for the rest of the crew. No, it's it's catty. Yeah. Especially for Kelly who was the one that warned Claire at the very beginning about Isaac's lack of emotions. So why then are they going to make passive aggressive comments, which the whole intent is to make someone feel guilty, not aware, purposefully guilty so that they will Mm -hmm. fix their behavior. But Isaac can't feel guilt. Kelly pointed this out. So why are they behaving like this? (laughs) I don't like this scene. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, their human response to someone doing something crappy to one of their friends. But it still doesn't like it's like bullying. It is. And that's something too, where I understand why it's there, but I also go, it's like them not processing the relationship or the, I don't know. Cause like, it seems like they're both friends with Isaac and with Dr. Mm -hmm. Finn. So it's just like, John is the one who told him to do it this way. Maybe they should be mad at John. I feel like what they should do is instead of being passive aggressive, they should be like, Isaac, do you understand? Yeah. What you did and what happens here? And he'd be like, no, they they just they're approaching Isaac in a way like they have no knowledge of what Isaac is. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing that bothers me when they could have accomplished the same thing by being very direct with Isaac. Yeah, I think it was just a passive aggressive way to maybe I'm defending my friend kind of thing. It's like what girls do or even guys when it's like, oh, they broke up with you. Screw them. You don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it wasn't the immature or adult way to handle it. No, especially for like superior officers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Meanwhile, Claire is grabbing a drink in the bar when Yafit hits on her now projecting a human image of his own. He also extended his arm really far. Yeah. This was just a fun <laughs> scene. Like, I just enjoyed seeing Norm Macdonald show up. I just... Dr. Finn has such a disdain for Yafet. She does. And I don't know. It was just kind of fun to see Norm MacDonald just kind of, hey, hey, want to go on a date? Like, hey, like it is a little desperate on Yafet's part. But if Dr. Finn's so desperate, why wouldn't she just go on a date with Yafet? Well, she's been annoyed by Yafet. They have a history. I can understand. I know. She's not that desperate. And she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't projecting anything on Yafit. Like Yafit has annoyed her. Yeah, and Yafit hasn't been appropriate a lot. Yeah. So I get it. And she was just going to the bar to drink and think about mm-hmm. things. And Yafit shows up unannounced, uninvited, like, hey, you want to have a drink with me? With ulterior motives. So yeah, I get it. Okay, I take I take it all back. <laughs> Isaac arrives for Ty's piano lesson, but Claire tells him that he has a new teacher and would rather not see Isaac any more than she needs to. It makes sense. Yeah. Why wouldn't she have like let him know beforehand, like with that communication through like a computer, like don't show up for the appointment because we wouldn't have been able to see it play out on the screen. Basically. (laughs) True. I, I like how Isaac is putting down the new teacher as well. Right. They're not as good as I am. Yeah. And this is a moment the door gets shut on him before he's even finished mm-hmm. talking. This is a moment where I think he's starting to break down that he did something wrong. He does do the nod to kind of tip us off that he's thinking about what could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Later on the bridge, Isaac makes a mistake while analyzing a white dwarf star. As he never makes mistakes, he suspects something is wrong and leaves to run a self-diagnostic. This CGI was really pretty. Like Super see, good. Yeah. The stars looked incredible, just them flying mm-hmm. up to the stars. That was just, I like the space porn in this show, <laughs> but I, I enjoy that aspect. And I always like when they like sneak it in, especially with subplots and stuff. But totally interesting that Isaac made an actual mistake. I don't know, Rob. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> Mercer joins Isaac in the science lab just as he's completed his diagnostic. Isaac reports that several programs and subroutines have grown accustomed to Claire and are not functioning as they should in her absence. Ed suggests that he's fallen in love, though Isaac doesn't agree. Even so, Ed thinks he should try to apologize in a creative way to mend their relationship. I think Ed also says, like, she's gotten under your skin. Mm -hmm. So my interpretation is that he functions better when he's with Claire. Yeah. Or Claire's in his life. Because of all the things that he's done to alter his programming to accommodate her presence. Yes. Which, why would he do that? He has to to get the data that he wants. I know, but... I mean, he has relationships with all these other people on the ship. He does. I just think it's interesting that him stepping back from this from like, what, a few hours or a day or whatever it might be. He's making calculation errors. I don't know. I feel like there's something to that. Okay. Like, yes, it altered his routines and in his like, in a technological sense, but I don't know. (laughs) Back on the bridge, Bordis has shaved off his mustache, sadly. The ship sets course for Outpost 30 when Dr. Finn arrives in response to a message from the captain. However, he never sent a message. Isaac did. When she asks why, he plays the song Singing in the Rain and activates an environmental program that causes rain to start falling. He explains that his internal programs will function more efficiently if they're together, which Claire interprets as him saying that he's better with her than without her. Which is not quite the most romantic sentiment. No. Well, one of the things I forgot to mention is during the symphony, Clyden being so upset about the mustache, Mm. which is honestly very funny because it's true. (laughs) Like mustaches (laughs) are itchy and there's food that gets in them. Just an aside there. I get so annoyed having any kind of facial hair. I (sighs) I can't last longer than like a few days. Mark had a beard and it was fine. But then it's just like, why is there food in it? (laughs) (laughs) And I would be like, you got to get it. Got to get it. Beards are interesting, but they can be very gross. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I understand where Clyden's leaning. And um, because Ed told him to apologize going back to Isaac at this point, he did, I assume, come up with the singing in the rain. The environmental stimulation, I was just sitting there like from the set designer's perspective, cringing. Like, how do they dry that out? Like, I was just, my brain was trying to figure out. I have an answer to that, actually. Oh! <gasps> I want to know it because I I did some research into that. I even saw a tweet from our friend Tom Costantino a little while back. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they actually shot everybody against green screens. And then the set is put in behind them. So they must have had to digitally oh. have all those raindrops hit like the consoles and oh everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. That makes me feel so much better. It was not actually raining on the bridge. Okay. Well, it looked like it was. So kudos to CGI and everything. But I feel like it was a romantic gesture. But Ed instigated it by saying you need to apologize. And it was weird to have the entire bridge watching it. Mm-hmm. Like if I was Dr. Finn, I'd be like, ah, uh, no, uh-uh. Like, I don't want to kiss the robot in front of everybody after what he did to me. Like, Well, she's so overcome by emotion. It's almost like they're the only two people there. <laughs> it just, I can understand. It does seem like there's more to it than just him being a robot and having to fix his routines. It feels like there might be something more. So I get it. So then, what is your big takeaway from this episode? It's hard for me to not compare it to next gen and data. I think that's an important thing to do with it, honestly. Yeah, because with data, like I said earlier, facial movements just, I mean, besides he was like white, he looked like a human Mm -hmm. or an alien, if, if you will. A humanoid alien, yeah. Yeah. So it's something where the, the parallel between that and Isaac is Isaac isn't very much. He's a machine. He looks like a machine. He acts like a machine data. It's very like for your brain to try to like you can justify it a little bit more. Even missing those like micro expressions in the face that data would simulate, even though a lot of them were still simulated. Then, yeah, missing that makes Isaac feel even more robotic. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Isaac in some weird ways, I feel like he did try. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like there's an inkling, an inkling that there's something more to him than just robotic. Mm-hmm. Like, I love robots and I love I, I mean, I grew up with Data. He is one of my favorite characters of all time throughout any sort of show, movie, whatever. And I always rooted for Data. I wanted him to be, I want him to have those emotions. I wanted him to feel mm-hmm. human and feel love and those things. And so for, in a weird way, I think I project that onto Isaac. And I want him to have those things too, especially because I think Dr. Finn is the best match for him and that she, would, she wouldn't treat him wrong. <laughs> But I think the the thing is just it's interesting to discuss in the future. This comes up a lot. Robot humanoid relation or robot human relationships. And if robots have feelings, if they don't have feelings, where does that put us if we have feelings for a robot? It's just a really interesting discussion and dynamic to think about. And I liked this episode a lot because it asks those questions. I'm disappointed in the way Isaac treated Dr. Finn. But I think there might be hope. I think. I hope. And I, I think I just have an affinity for any sort of robotic character in a show because Data just always had my heart on Next Gen. And I just want I just wanted the best for him. And I think in a weird way, I want the best for Isaac, too. Yeah. What about you? What I like the most about this episode is all the day-to-day crew stuff. You know how much I like being on the ship, especially for like an entire yeah. episode. And just watching the intermingling of the crew is always a lot of fun. So I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm not sure that I'm buying what this episode is trying to sell me. Which is? That Isaac has emotions. Was it trying to sell us that, though? I don't know. So it seems, it seems like the message is that Isaac can grow and change and does on some level experience emotions of his own mm-hmm. and i don't see that really so every time every time claire interprets that isaac is doing something sweet for her it's really just a selfish act on his part whether that be gathering data or making sure that he's running efficiently everything he does is for his benefit likewise everything she's doing is selfish as well mm-hmm. so She's really not doing anything for him other than providing data. So two people being selfish is not love by any means. No, it's very take take. Yeah. So it's not really a good relationship. Like it's not it's not like they're trying to do things for the other person and having I know it's a robot human relationship, which is already in a weird place to start with, but it's not like they're even trying to make it a viable working relationship. It's a lot of just two people, yeah, taking the entire time. Also, we talked a little bit before in prior episodes and then even more so in our discussion during this episode, but I don't buy that Isaac has anything even remotely close to the emotions that Data would have. On Next Gen, there's a lot of evidence that Data actually does experience emotions prior to getting the emotion chip. Mm -hmm. It's just that he can't express or understand them. Yeah. It feels like they're still there because he makes decisions based on emotion. None of these decisions are based on emotion for Isaac. They're all based on efficiency or his directive from the Kalon, which is to gather the data. Yeah. Those are the only two motivating factors for him. And the the only thing that feels like something like a genuine uh, a genuine act of kindness is the thing at the end, but even that is motivated by him operating more efficiently. So it's, I'm just not getting, like, I, I do like this episode and I do like the exploration of it. I think it's a big setup for a big fall. I think it's interesting to see how there are workarounds for Isaac to simulate being a human. Like that was really mm-hmm. fascinating to see in this, the simulation when he becomes a human. And I, I enjoyed that storytelling aspect of it. I do wonder if the episode was trying to sell us that he has emotions or not. I think it's me totally projecting that I want him to have emotions. I, I think I've seen more dysfunctional relationships in my real life than Isaac and Claire have, <laughs> which I don't know what that's saying, but it's something where... I think nothing's perfect, but by the end, they're maybe trying to find a happy medium. It might not look like what Claire wants it to look like, Mm -hmm. but maybe there is something workable there. Possibly. And it also could be 
because we do have these different opinions on it, mm-hmm. it could be that the episode is set up to gauge where we are. Yeah. So if we're projecting on Isaac in the way that you are, maybe that is mm-hmm. your inclination. And you, like you said, you do project those things onto your car and stuff like that. Yeah. I am not someone who does that as much. I do have sentimental attachment to inanimate objects, but I generally don't name them or really talk to them or anything like that. Like, like my stuffed animals that I had when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I did feel weird about like leaving them alone. Like I still, yeah. (laughs) since you shared an embarrassing thing about you uh, talking (laughs) to your car, I'll share an embarrassing thing about me. Uh, I was given a teddy bear by my grandmother when I was a year old. I have not been able to get rid of it. I don't like sleep with the teddy bear anymore, but it sits on the nightstand Mm -hmm. in my bedroom because I cannot get rid of it. I just can't. I don't think that's embarrassing. I still have my two stuffed animals from when I was a kid. I don't sleep with them anymore, but I'm going to forever save them. I don't think I'll ever be able to part with them. Clowny Bear and Humpty Dumpty are with me for life. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing, too, where I think... It's associating feelings onto something that can't necessarily feel them Mm -hmm. back. And I think that just shows in the future it gets more complicated when there's something that can interact with you back. And in our day and age right now, it's very like, oh, that's a robot and it doesn't talk to you. And it's like, they're kind of scary. Like when you look (laughs) at robots that are kind of humanoid, but when they're more tuned in and they're they're just fluid and they seem intelligent and they can have conversation. It's, it changes things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really interesting discussion to have. I agree. And even the most logical person like Dr. Finn can't shy away from it. It's true. I think we're all on some level susceptible to that kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And just as a fun fact about me, I have a green car named Data and my husband's car's red, and I named it Captain Picard. So I'm not even joking. That's the truth. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. (laughs) Before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do, because Katie's husband, Mark, is a fan of the Orville as well, and he always leaves us with his one-sentence review. Claire and Isaac sitting in a tree. S-I-M-U-L-A-T-I-N-G. First comes studying, then comes emotional support, then comes creating a program to show Isaac as a human and make a grown-up pillow fort. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.